0: So our reading this morning is from the Reverend Michael Brown. Faith is not about choosing something to believe in and then hanging on for dear life. <laughs> Faith lets go. Faith is trusting in the creative process of life. It is moment by moment unpredictable, creative, open-ended, spontaneous, responsive, and responsible, yet always directed towards more joy, more beauty, more love, more compassion, and more justice. It doesn't need to be written down, and its secret cannot be memorized and recited On demand. The truth is not in the words and not in any formula, but in the experience, in the heart, in the moment by moment response to being alive. One of the deepest pleasures of my seminary education was discovering theology. So at one time theology meant the study of God, and I think for some people it still does mean the study of God. But for religious liberal theologians, it means what is most meaningful and most valuable, and what is transformative, and what is beyond us. Theology is an incredibly interdisciplinary area of study. The best theologians try to take what we know about biology and physics and art and and psychology and try to figure out the nature of human beings and of our universe and what it means. Albert Einstein once said, all religions, all arts, and all sciences are branches of the same tree. And most academics study one branch or one twig of that tree. But in my experience, it's the the, theologians and more and more also the physicists who are trying to figure out the nature of the tree itself and then consider what it means for how we live and how we make sense of our lives. In theology classes, I read a really dense text on the evolutionary biology of emotional response and absolutely incomprehensible legal treaties on human rights, classical philosophers and theologians, and an economics book. So this morning what I want to do is share with you one of the pieces of my personal theology. I want to tell you about my religious faith. Now I know. The word faith, religious faith, and its cousin belief are challenging words for many Unitarian Universalists. (laughs) Often we associate the words religious belief with an intellectual certainty that there is a God or that Jesus died for our sins or that there is a hell. We then associate faith with believing in those ideas even if there is no logical or scientific evidence that they're true. If I believe in a personal God, then I have faith that that God will take care of me. And the most rational among us simply reject such ideas and feel there is little point to discussing the idea of religious faith. However, the word faith, with no religious context, refers to anything that a person trusts to be true about the world and about life. What a person has faith in guides the decisions they make about how to live. People have faith in all sorts of things, And faith can be based on reason or experience or cultural expectations or tradition. People in our culture often have faith in such ideas as somebody ensured that the airplane we just got on doesn't have mechanical problems. We have faith in the idea that the water that is coming out of our tap is safe. Children and youth will have better, richer lives if they're involved in many structured activities. The scientific method is always the best way to understand the world. And going to college and getting a good job and buying a house and investing in retirement will ensure financial security and thus a good life. All of us, since we are 21st century Americans, have probably had faith or do have faith in all of those propositions. Even though, and we have conducted our lives on those propositions, we make decisions about our lives based on them. However, none of those propositions is always true. It's something we have faith in. The Hebrew word that is translated in modern Bibles as faith doesn't mean Belief in something without evidence, it means steadfastness. All of us steadfastly direct our lives by certain ideas that we have faith in. Even if we know that going to college and buying a house doesn't every time ensure a good life, we still direct our lives that way. The same is true with the fact that the water in our taps is safe. We choose to live our ideas, our life by those ideas. We have faith. But what of religious faith? Religious faith, like secular faith, guides the decisions we make about how to live. However, religious faith is focused on What helps us to live value-filled lives? What connects us with our communities? And what helps sustain us during times of despair? Religious faith is about what we believe directs our lives towards love and justice and hope. It guides how we live our lives and how we help make the world better. For Christians and Jews and Muslims and some of the people in this room, their religious faith is in God. God is the one who has the power to help steer lives toward love and justice and hope. The faith provides direction to people. It helps people focus on what is most valuable. When life is hard, a person can pray to and trust in God. One can follow religious traditions that have developed methods for closer relationships with God. Modern secular culture and much of Unitarian Universalism teach that what we can have faith in is ourselves. Both teach that it is our actions and our will to influence our actions that direct our living toward what we value most and love and justice and hope. This is what I was taught growing up, that I was ultimately responsible for my own fate and for improving the world. The saving of the earth and ourselves, this implies, is achieved by what each of us is able to do. We have faith in ourselves and our ability to make and act upon good choices. And I think this is partly true. Often I have faith in myself to do the right thing and to make a difference, and I do it. But not always. I cannot always do it. I cannot do all that must be done and often what I can do, I can't do perfectly. If what I have to, if what I can will myself to do is responsible for creating a good life for myself and for the world, then what I do matters tremendously. And it matters much more than what I can deliver. Many times I do not do what I know I should do. I'm sure we've all had this experience. We decide this is it. We're losing some weight. And the next food that goes into our mouth is ice cream. We decide that the very next time somebody says something belittling about an oppressed group, we will speak up. We will say something. And we don't. We decide that we will live gratefully and that we will appreciate all that we have. But the next thing we want is one of these pieces of art on the wall. We decide to accept people as they are, but find ourselves sitting in judgment. Oftentimes, I actually just don't know what to do. Anybody really know the best way to raise a child? (laughs) Or to deal with a really difficult family member? Or the best way to invest our time and our money and our resources into making a better world? And I'm also pretty certain that sometimes I act in ways that I think are the right way, and they aren't. I act in ways that are unconscious and unknowing. And I know that I've done this in my past because I've seen the consequences. Four or five years later, you're like, what was I thinking? I had a friend who grew up in a very racist home and community and had no idea that these, that the way her family was about other people was actually hurtful. Till so she grew up and went to college and met people of color and was like, wow, this was really hurtful, and changed who she was. And I'm sure many of us have had those experiences, where we did what we thought was right, or we were unconscious and caused damage. So what do I do in these moments? Where do I turn? What guides my actions? Faith in myself provides no guidance. I simply feel hopeless and guilty and paralyzed. To respond effectively to the world and live with hope, I need something more. I once had a wonderful friend, and he had a deep, deep faith in God. And he worked every day during his job and in other parts of his life for people who were oppressed and he said to me i work really hard and at the end of the day i've done, i know that i've done my part and the rest is up to god and i envied this man's commitment and his ability to do such hard work and then his confidence that god was doing the rest and that he could rest and i he was never guilty he was not hopeless And he was not paralyzed. And I desperately wanted a faith like that. However, I was raised by academics. And I myself am very highly educated. And what I was trained to do, what comes as naturally as breathing for me, is to think rationally. I mull the evidence. What I have faith in And what guides my moral choices cannot contradict the scientific evidence, cannot contradict what I know of history and psychology and anthropology and sociology, and cannot contradict my own experience. And it is not my tradition to have faith in God. Since my experience, my experience also demonstrates that the world is more mysterious than we can ever know. There are moments of synchronicity, moments of grace, there's call to vocation and falling in love, and there's the mystery of birth and of death. My mind and experience and heart tells me that there is something beyond myself that can guide me toward what is most valuable and hold me when I'm in despair and give me hope again. Henry Nelson Wyman, an influential liberal theologian in the early to middle part of the last century, helped me find what I was looking for. For Wyman, The question of the religious journey was what can transform people in such a way to save them from the depths of evil and bring them to the greatest good which human life can ever attain. He had two answers. The first is what we can will ourselves to do, the emphasis of secular and Unitarian Universalist culture and what I was taught in childhood. He called that ethics. His second answer addressed the question, what transforms us when we cannot transform ourselves? What, in other words, can we have faith in to help us when we are hopeless, when we don't behave as we want, don't know what to do, and don't realize our own limitations his answer was creativity or as he called it the creative event very simply create the creative event brings together a person's experience of the diversity of the world and mixes it within a person and changes the person so he or she can experience newer and deeper relationships, and new commitments and ways of being. Through creative events, a person's life and the world become richer, more meaningful, and more full of love and justice. Wyman's creative event is a form of creativity, and he often simply just called it creativity. However, it is not artistic creativity, it's not that narrow. It's not what people who write or create paintings or make films do. It is creativity in a much larger sense. It is the coming together of diverse experiences that change a person in unexpected ways. Instead of artistic creativity, you might call it life creativity. One important element of creativity, or any creativity actually, is we do not control it. We cannot make the creative event happen through our will or our desire. And we can also not, Wyman says, decide how it will change us. Wyman says, the creative event cannot be used to shape the world closer to our heart's desire because it transforms the heart's desire so that one wants something very different From what one desired in the beginning. However, we can lead ourselves to make creative events or life creativity more likely to happen. This is similar to artistic creativity. Artists and writers practice their craft. It is a rare, rare artist who wakes up and just paints a masterpiece without having practiced and studied painting regularly. Instead, most artists talk about that they have to show up and do their work regularly and hone their craft. And then sometimes, on the very best days, the creative muse descends and something magical happens that is exciting for the artist and often exciting for the rest of us. The idea of necessary practice and preparation applies to Wyman's creative event as well. You need, to de- you need to develop skills and attitudes that make the creative event more likely to happen. The primary practice required by Wyman is engagement with the world. He called this the creative interchange. We must reach out beyond our own understanding to listen and appreciate the other, whether that is a pine cone, our friend, someone with opposite political views, or maybe just our own mysterious breath. We must reach out with our time, with our attention and heart. Wyman also felt that creative events were more likely to happen if we spend time in silence or prayer or meditation regularly, if we worship as a community often, and if we engage with each other in small groups. Still, even with preparation, we cannot will the creative event to happen. It is out of our power. It is beyond us. Wyman's idea of the creative event seems true to me. The operating principle of the universe appears to be creativity, the combining of diverse elements to make something new. That is how we got atoms. That's how we got molecules and flowers and blueberries and us. The operating principle of human culture is also creativity. That's how we got democracy the English language, jazz, and Unitarian Universalism. So it makes sense that a type of creativity would be what makes human change possible, helps us live more by our values, pulls us out of despair, and aligns our lives with love and justice and hope. I have experienced the transforming power of creative events certainly many times, but I have one story that illustrates it well. A number of years ago, I was doing Spokane Alliance leadership training. The Spokane Alliance brings together churches of wide theological differences. It brings together educational institutions, nonprofits, and unions, all to help bring together power to work for meaningful change in the community. Their philosophy is that people work together better across differences if they get to know each other and hear each other's stories. So they have relational meetings, and there's a set of questions, and I listen to the other person talk, and they listen to me. It's a little bit like small groups, only one-to-one, chalice circles, but one-to-one. So the person I I was situated with couldn't have been more different from me in political affiliation, in religion, in age, in class. And she began to talk about Walmart. And she hated people who were boycotted and were against Walmart. I was pretty shocked. I mean, everyone I knew either boycotted Walmart for their labor practices or felt really guilty and apologetic if they went there. (coughs) And then I felt so superior, I understood the issues, I was ethical, I stood up for what I believed. But I remembered the assignment, which was to listen, and so I listened. And when I listened, I heard her fear. She was retired and on a fixed income. And Walmart allowed her to keep her standard of living. And what she saw was prices rising and her standard of living slipping. And I heard in that that Walmart is the result of a society that values consumerism so highly and where the poor are getting poorer. I changed. I realized it's fine for me, financially secure, to be superior in my Walmart boycott but Walmart is absolutely not going anywhere as long as we so highly value consumerism and the poor are getting poorer. We have to address the issues of poverty and consumerism. I had listened and I had changed. I no longer felt superior and I knew that I needed this woman and she needed me to work for change in our society. My faith in the creative event has changed my approach to life. When I don't do what I think I should, when I don't know what to do, I try to remember my commitment to creativity. And I always remember, I cannot will the creative event to happen. It is like my friend with his faith in God. He does his part and lets God do the rest. I do my part And then I let the creative process work. And I have faith that it will. So I do what I can. I do those things that I know and can will myself to do to make my life and the life of others better. And then I open myself to creativity. I appreciate the world. I listen. I meditate. I pray. I worship. I stay in relationship with people. I have also been very fortunate to be in congregations and in collegial groups that have provided me the opportunities to prepare for creative events and transformation. In this congregation, chalice circles and many affinity groups allow us to deepen and lengthen our relationships and to learn about those different than ourselves. We worship together. We encourage spiritual practice in each other. This last year, I have often forgotten my faith. I have felt stunned and horrified so often by natural disasters, by the capacity of human beings to dehumanize, to hate, and to kill. And by a ruling power that appears to be against everything that I am for and for everything that I am against. I have spent so much time wanting to just crawl under a blanket on my couch with my wine and my chocolate and comedies on the television. Or maybe Game of Thrones, where everything is decidedly worse than it is here. Fortunately, I was recently lucky enough to be at a minister's gathering overlooking Puget Sound. One day I got to walk down to the beach and the the trees were all vibrant reds and yellows. And on the way to the beach I walked through this dark tunnel of fir trees. And when I came out, it was a little bay and on it were all these birds. Ducks and geese and seagulls, and they took up like a whole half of this little bay, and they just kind of glided from one place to another, and sometimes they would, you know, flap up, or they would car, or they would punch the water with their beaks looking for food, but most of the time they just sat there flowing, and I sat on this lovely driftwood log, and I watched them, and I felt the breeze on my skin and smelled that salty, tangy seaweed smell that feels like it's the smell of the sound. And as I sat there, I just felt this opening in me. I just felt how blessed I was to be part of this earth and how beautiful it is and how wonderful life is and that I am part of life. I am part of all of that sea and those birds. And in that moment, I felt myself shift. I felt some transformation. I suddenly remembered how beautiful the world is that we have, how wonderful life is, and how many people work every day for love and justice, and how many people have been so kind and so compassionate and so helpful as disaster after disaster has hit. And so in that moment, I also remembered and felt inside me That it's okay to do the small things that I do that bring love and happiness to the world and do the small things that I do to enact justice. That I don't have to be paralyzed and hopeless and in despair as I have been so often this year. That I can open to creativity because creativity is life. And that I can do my small things and have faith that new possibilities will open, that the creativity of the world in me and you among us all will make a difference. May that be so for all of us. Amen. 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 Amen.